Hello and welcome to some Derp's Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today we're finally going to talk about Across the Spider-Verse because I was able to see it. But before we do that, Buddy, why don't you tell the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast? On this podcast, we like to talk about games. But in this instance, we're talking about multiverse movies for like the fourth one in a row. Um, this movie came out obviously about a month ago. Um... But you know, we just kind of had to get 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 through some chaff in order in order to get here, and it makes for a. I am actually really glad, in a certain sense, that we waited, because it makes for a fascinating sort of capstone on this sort of grouping of multiverse movies, right? Um, and in particular, a companion piece to the flash right? right both of which i think are are movies that handle the multiverse content i guess this is me sort of giving a little bit of my reaction both both of these these movies handle the multiverse concept really well right like i talked about in my last one how i had this metaphysical issue with these multiverse movies and we'll talk about some of the specifics specifics of that but i actually think that even though both movies kind of took went on honestly like orthogonal like diametrically opposed sorts of viewpoints I was um, saying, it's, it's, on, not, it's not orthogonal they are like it, directly in contrast right like, yeah i guess you're right yeah like they are they are, but i but it's, it's interesting that i think that they both make for a compelling argument and structure themselves well around the sort of the multiverse conceit um and so i'm very interested i'm very interested yeah in, in, in all of that yeah so for you know as it's just we're giving our pre pre-spoiler um impressions um, and, uh, I think this movie was great, um, especially animation, animation wise, right? Like that is like, that is the, the biggest thing, right? Like this is a beautiful movie, apparently to the detriment of the animators, right? Like apparently th this, this next, like they are already crunching on the sequel, which is bad news. Um, so, you know, hopefully that, uh, doesn't keep going in that direction, but who knows? Um, but it's, it's absolutely beautiful. They do a lot of very cool things, like, Basically, every character has their own distinct art style commingling on screen at the same time. Um, uh, I think a danger of a lot of these kind of like multiverse shenanigan movies is like a, you know, point and because I saw it type deal, which happened in basically all of these movies. I feel like it was relatively well done here. It wasn't terrible, right? There were a couple of moments that were a little bit cringe, but like most of it was like, was was fine, right? I'm sure like you buddy got a lot more out of this than I did. Cause I recognize some of these characters, most of them I did not. Um, but, uh, it's a neat idea. Um, and I think there's some that I had a literal fridge moment about half an hour ago when I was opening my fridge to grab something for dinner. And I was like, wait, <laughs> um, but, uh, upon further reflection, I'm, I'll go into that in the spoiler section, but, um, I think most of it can be explained away. Um, in particular ways, so I'm not too concerned about it. And again, you know, I said this during the Flash movie. Anytime bullshit happens with a time movie, I'm willing to let most of that go, right? Yeah. And there's definitely a little, um, well, it's not time, it's uh, multiverse, but you know, similar thing, but right? Still, yeah, yeah, yeah. All alternate universe shenanigans, right? Yeah. Like all of that stuff, yeah. I, I'm in a very similar spot. My, my, I think really what I sort of ended up explaining sort of haphazardly about the Flash was that I have this sort of approach that is... Um, if the multiverse is used on a thematic and a character level, rather than just like a O plot level, I'm much more in tune with it, right? I, I can forgive it 
a lot a lot more and i think a lot of my frustration i talked about like the metaphysical multiverse the metaphysical problem of these multiverse movies uh to be fair, the metaphysical problem is in this movie and in it in a way that I don't particularly love, but it's just kind of overpowered, right? This is not a movie that is, like, good because it, it has the absence of bad. It is good because there is so much more good than bad, you know, yeah. if that makes sense, right? I am kind of willing to forgive it its, its you know, whatever, moral sins like moral philosophy sins um because it's in service to a pretty good story um you know on uh on uh, like an individual kind of character um an individual character level the one thing i will say is that uh unfortunately into the spider-verse is better i think that movie is way better than this one uh which is sort of not it's, I don't, that's not meant to be too damning right um because i think it's better in the same way that um you know the Matrix is better than Reloaded, if that makes sense. I've, I've, I've used this metaphor before, right? How when things are transcendently, like, so insanely good, it's really hard for the sequel to, to like, live up to that hype. And I try and be pretty permissive about that sort of thing. Um, but this is just another in a long line of that kind of tradition, right? Um, I think that Into the Spider-Verse was tighter. It was cleaner. The emotional arc was way more satisfying. Um, and, uh, and I generally liked the interaction between between the characters uh, more so than I, I like the interactions here. So this is a this is kind of an A minus movie coming after a A plus movie. If that makes sense. Yeah. No. Well, I, Bruce Lil Wayne. Hey, how it's going? <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, uh, I I generally agree with you. Um, part of it is this is like you know the first part of a two-part movie, right? Like, yeah. um, and to your point too, right? This, this happens with the Matrix as well. Although the counterpoint is obviously Empire is, uh, at least to my to my mind, the best of the of the uh, Star Wars OT. Um, but I agree with That's you. That's a tough one. I, I we, have we thought about that? We have. I think Empire. I think Empire and A New Hope are really good. Yeah. No. I mean, I I also like. I think I think Return of the Jedi is the weakest of the original trilogy. So you know, there's mm. there's that. But like to to your point, like. Part of this is going to be how the third movie lands it, right? Yeah. Um, part of it is it's building on the thing, and I think I think the the thing that you are pointing to is like I actually think this movie is probably more visually impressive than the previous movie, but it is marginally more visually impressive. Whereas like Into the Spider Verse was like like uh, you know like groundbreaking, right? Like you said, right? Yeah. Like, you know, you're going from zero to one hundred. And now this movie maybe pushes it to 110, right? Like, yeah. Um, and that's even arguable. But, but uh, I, 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 I have not seen Into the Spider-Verse in a while, but I don't remember the, the visual style stuff being as striking or as good. Um, so there's that. But um, uh, do, uh, Bruce Lil Wayne is, is telling us, giving us some advice. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's actually pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Bruce Lewis has informed us that the live tag makes it look like our, our logo is come derps play games, which uh, honestly, that's, that's a pretty good tagline for us, I think. Um, yeah, you know, I'm not mad about that tagline. Uh, all, all things considered. It's like, it's like, it's like you're, uh, you know, you're calling in, right? Like, come derps play, play games, games yeah. right? Even though we're talking about Into the Spider-Verse, right? Um, can I just ask, why did you call this Lucy in the Sky with Spiders? Um... Because the the uh, 
the Beatles movie across the universe, which is also a Beatles song. Right, so Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, Lucy in the Sky. Mm. It's just what popped into my head, and I go with, like... Oh, I understand. Across the universe, across the, the Spider-Verse. Spider right, yeah. Yes. Well, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I understand the chain now, right? Like, there's a little chain. Follow my autism, yeah, it's right? amazing, like... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, um, are we good for spoiler stuff? Do you yes, want to say yeah. anything more? Here, here's your spoiler warning for uh, Across the Spider-Verse, also probably into the Spider-Verse. <laughs> month old movie. Yeah. Um... <sighs> Uh, but, uh, yes. Uh, so here's a spoiler warning. If you haven't seen, uh, Across the Spider-Verse, um, I'd say go watch it yourself, right? Like, I don't, I don't think it's so, such, so spoilable a movie that it's a huge deal if you listen to us beforehand, but I think on the balance, I would watch it before listening to this if, you know, if, uh, I had, if I had the means to, if that makes sense. Do you agree with that? Uh, I guess I probably agree. This is definitely not a movie that I think is like super, you know, um, protected yeah. or harmed by spoilers in either kind of way, right? Uh, but you know, I bet you're gonna have a better time with it if you don't come into. I also think just like being able to kind of like see it on your own terms on that like kind of character thematic level, um, yeah, works. All so, right, yeah. So there's your spoiler warning. Um, all right, let's hop into it. Uh, what do you want to? get into for so I, I've, got, I've got a thing brimming off the top of my head that I sure I get hit me all right yeah, I talked this a little, a little bit uh before the podcast this is basically the same plot as the Loki show right like um TV I know you haven't finished it um so actually spoilers for the Loki show because this is a big spoiler for the Loki show um basically the TVA is doing the same thing and Kang is fulfilling the same role as Miguel um but in uh, in a day, he's not called he's called like a time master or something or like the man at the end of time or something. Uh, but it's Kang. It's played played by Jonathan Majors. It's supposed to be the same character. And the resolution of that show is what causes kind of the inciting incident in the rest of the Marvel universe. Um, okay. The thing that's obviously weird about that is that these they're co they're co universal, right? Like explicitly, this like. The Marvel Cinematic Universe and Across the Spider-Verse happen in the same universe, right? They reference Peter Parker. They show clips from the other two Spider-Man movies, right? So basically, um, basically, they are the uh, the same thing is ha like the, the same plot is happening in both. And I think there are two ways that this can go. One of which is what I expect, and one of which could happen, and I think will be really bad. Um, which the the way I think it will happen, and I hope it happens, is that they just ignore it and don't pay attention to it. Um, the way that's bad that could happen is that they explain what happened to Miguel as being the result of the TVA. Uh, it's like the, the, the man at the end of time scrubbing Miguel from his timeline. Because um, like, that is consistent with what the TVA does, right? They prune timelines. They prune branches of the timeline. Okay. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that would be bad. Well, it's interesting because like even though Miguel is sort of the, the villain here, the right. real villain in the chat... Spot was also very similar to Joker from the Lego Batman movie. That's true, right? Like, Spot is the villain in the sense of he is the person who most matches onto, like, the villain archetype in a superhero story, sure. right? Miguel is the antagonist. And I feel like uncoupling those is something legitimately clever that, that Across the Spider-Verse does, right? Yeah. You know, you kind of are setting up this, this, um, uh, this super powerful villain as the spot will end up kind of being um for for this third movie and miguel is the one who is really standing in miles's way 
over the course of over the course of this movie. Um, and, and, ju- and that's kind of an interesting thing because Kang is very consciously both villain and antagonist, right? Yeah. Um, and just just as a point there, this lets you essentially redeem Miguel, right? If they choose to do yeah. that. Um, whereas this, whereas the spot is just a bad dude, right? Like this is what we were talking about with like Guardians Three, right? Like the villain is just a villain that is evil, right? Like you don't have to be sympathetic with him. Whereas Miguel, we can be sympathetic for, and he ultimately has some consequences coming to him, but it's not as big a deal if he, like, you know, he's understandable. Whereas the spot is the guy doing the actual bad shit. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is sort of the metaphysical problem, yeah. right? The, the the thing that I ex- had explained before is that, like, this is turning the universes into this, like, infinite trolley problem, which I think is pretty boring and bad in general, right? Um, and uh, it's kind of one of those things where, like, just being able to sit down and have a conversation about it would sort of settle things, right? Like, it, it's, or, but maybe a better way to frame this would be, like, if you could do the science, right? Yeah. They all uh, generally seem to agree and have the same similar sort of ethics. It is just that Miguel has convinced all of the Spider-Man across all of the multiverses, right, that anomalies are really bad and cause the destruction of universes, but he really only seems to have correlative data to support that hypothesis, and now Miles is challenging that assumption for the first time and insisting that, no, actually, we can recover um, and that, like, we shouldn't let these things... let ba- We shouldn't let these bad things happen, Um just because sort of fate, the fate of the universe sort of says so, if they, if they sort of make sense. Um, I think all this stuff typically sucks and is, and is bad, but the thing that makes it work here is that it is very intimately tied into the stakes of who Miles is and what he's fighting for as a literal outcast among the, the spider people, right? A point that gets made that I actually really loved, and I thought that this was incredibly clever, is that Miguel I'm sorry, uh, Miles is the first anomaly. Like, he is a true anomaly, right? There are not alternate Mileses in other universes because he took the spider from Universe 42 and got bit by by that spider, which is an anomalous thing that that doesn't normally happen, right? Which explains why all of these Spider-Man, all of these Peter Parkers... um, and uh, and obviously everyone who maps onto to the Spider-Man persona, whether it's Miguel, whether it's um, you know the Jessica Drew, right, Spider Woman, whether it's um, Hobie Brown, right, um, all of them are are faded in some way, and it's only the person who's not faded that can kind of see through the 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 ruse and kind of break the illusion. Does it make sense? Yeah, it, it does. I've got a couple of things about that. First first thing I want to do is I want to. Shout out again, Bruce Lil Wayne in the chat, pointing out that all of the inner circle for Miguel are like non-spider bite Spider-Man, which is interesting. Um, that that, that is actually true. Yeah, that, that's a, that's a pretty cool. Um, that's probably got got uh, what's it called uh, implications for the sequel. I'm sure people will be doing theory crafting about that. But um, that was this was this was part of my fridge moments. Um, so I I can't remember if I said it here or if I said, said it to you before the cast. But I literally had a fridge moment um, with this. And again, I think there's a couple ways this could go. Um, uh, given that Miles is a this is, this is pure plot stuff, right? This is not like you know substantive criticism, but um, uh, given that Miles is a anomaly, then there's there, there, there are two things. One, given that Miles is an anomaly, um, basically means that the canon rules shouldn't need to apply to him, right? Like 
Like, if he's not, like, why, why does his dad have to die since he's not? Right, like, yes. Um, yeah. And then the other half of this, too, is, is like, I think this is just, like, a visual language thing. Um, I think the pro like him standing over the Prowler dying was supposed to be his Uncle Ben moment as a canon moment, but it was so close temporally to them explaining the captain thing that I was like, wait, didn't they just explain he already had his captain moment? It was his uncle. Um, and so I, I think that's just like bad. Like, I think that's just like confused storytelling. Um, so I don't, but the second one, I think, the, again, two ways to resolve this. The good way or the, the bad way, rather, is this is the loophole, right? This is why it doesn't apply to him, which I think is bad, right? Because I think the movie wants to stand on the on the kind of like what like as opposed to the flash which wants to stand on things like you you sometimes you need to make hard choices um yeah. the spider-man i think wants to stand for the proposition that like you know it's essentially the matrix proposition right like you are in control of your own fate don't let anybody tell you what you can and cannot do um <clears throat> and so um i really hope they don't try and use use that to wiggle out of it. And I feel like they maybe did that because, like, towards the end of the movie, Gwen's dad quits being a cop, and, like, that seems to be the way, his way out of being it, which is, like, way too technical for, I think, what the, what the vibes of this movie is going for. Um, uh, uh, yeah, the, Bruce Lowry in the chat also suggests that Uncle Ben and Captain Steph are supposed to be two different canon moments, which I, 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 I get. I just, when they were doing the line out, I wasn't, sh like, I, I wasn't sure, because um, they had, they had, I believe... When they go through the holograms, right? The the hologram they show is um, Indian Spider-Man. I cannot remember how to pronounce his name. Um, standing over Captain Singh, um, and I believe him standing over the, the his uncle is is in the, in that same shot, which uh, confuses matters. Um, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, that I that that is like just like a, a visually confusing yeah no, detail. I, I guess I would say. Yeah, I I think my my guess is that they wanted that to be the Uncle Ben moment, but they just, like, lacked the budget or, like, the animation time to, like, make that clear or whatever. Um, yeah, I also think that... Um, yeah, I also think this is part of what makes it work, right? Because the thing about the Flash that I think works is the Flash very clearly demonstrates through, like, film language, right, the devastation that he is causing right. by trying to, you know, force essentially a square universe in a spherical universe whole right? right you know what i mean um and you get this and you get this like tremendous you see with your own eyes right. and he learns in front of your eyes that oh there is some real damage being done here right, right. That i can't do this and the thing that i need to learn is i need to learn that i can't just redo it i i have to sacrifice right um i have to sort of own that that failure and that heartbreak, um, and that's okay, right? Spider-Verse has one crucial detail that's a tiny bit different, which is that Miguel insists that things are this way. So it is much more a story about authority and rebellion, right? Miguel, ex something bad happens. Miguel explains that the bad thing happened because of this other thing, but like, we don't actually know that there's a causal relationship there, right? Like it could yeah. just be a correlation, right? Um, which is sort of what I'm what I'm suggesting. And then obviously B Miles is the one who is rebelling against that authority. And the message here is more about like just because somebody tells you something doesn't mean that you can't you know challenge them. Um, and we all presume obviously that Miguel is right and 
I'm sorry, Miles is right and Miguel is wrong, and that you will be able to change these canon moments, and his understanding of the canon moments is somehow, like, flawed in some way. Which is part of what I mean about, like, the science and the conversation, right? Like, if Miles and Miguel could just, like, sit down and have a proper conversation about this and explain their points of view to one another and kind of point out that, that sort of fallacy underlying Miguel's thought process, you know, theoretically speaking, you could envision a way in which there's no fighting at all. They all just kind of, like understand one another right yeah uh, but we're not in that we're not in that sort of movie um, um I, i'm actually i am sure there's going to be a moment like that in the second movie which is when all the spider-men are going to change their minds and join you know miles instead of instead yeah. of miguel um yeah uh, um but and so I, both of those movies oh i'm sorry i would say like the you mentioned that's like a small detail the bigger detail which i think is the the thing that like makes this like plot-wise possible, is that there's no time travel in this movie, right? Um, whereas, like, the, Fla the Flash is time travel, so you can iterate, right? And you can show... And I, I obviously, on our cast about The Flash, criticized um, what I thought was, like, that it didn't actually do enough work to convince me that that that, that was correct, but uh, that's besides the, besides the point. Um, I, think, I think the other interesting thing that this movie does is that the, the, the clear thing is that no, like... He, Miles is the first one, at least that we know of, and I expect this is true of everyone, um, is the first Spider-Man that we know of that knows about the canon moment before it happens, right? Like, mm -hmm. um, uh, like they don't they don't tell um, Indian Spider-Man that you know Captain Singh's supposed to die, right? Um, they intentionally hide it from him, right? And everybody else has their their moment happen, and so like the moral point that that uh, that Miles is making is is kind of um, uh, it's kind of intuitively, intuitively correct, which is, you know, um, you can't, like, it is one thing if you don't know what's going to happen, but if you know it's going to happen and, in, and you attempt to, and you don't attempt to prevent it, you're doing, you're, you're being a bad person, right? Like, um, which is kind of, this is like the, the classic kind of like, you know, um, like you said, this is a cosmic trolley problem type, type thing, right? Um. Allowing harm versus doing harm, right? right? Are right. those and two things the same thing? Is there a difference? Yeah, well, not only that, but, like, it's also kind of, like, you know, um, doing the safe thing because it's what is, you know, it, it, is, it is the thing to do rather than striving to, to, to do the best that you can do, right? This is kind of a classic story. And to your point, it works because we are not sure of the of the end results, whereas the Flash tries to demonstrate to us that we are sure of the end results. So I agree with you. Yeah, the, the, the Flash demonstrates very clearly the, the results, which is why, and it, it makes a completely, you know, I, I described it as orthogonal, and really what I was describing is that they are framing it in very different ways, even if they are making the opposite, the directly oppositional point, right? The Flash says, sometimes you just need to accept the ba that bad things happen, right? That fate, it, it's sort of about fate, right? You are... Some things are fated to happen, and that sucks, and you have to deal with them like an adult, basically, right? That's the Flash. And then across the Spider-Verse is you can change your fate, right? Um, and you shouldn't allow – and you shouldn't surrender to it, essentially, right? Um, but, the, but the different ways that they're framed, I think, have this coincidental thing where I think both of these movies make very good points and sort of support their points in – interesting kind of cosmological you know metaphysical like kind of ways even if really what i'm connecting to is the personal journey right like the thing that the thing that sells me on all of this stuff isn't actually the metaphysics underpinning all of it it is the 
character stuff underpinning it, right? Where Miles is not just a, he's not just a Spider-Man chafing under the authority of Miguel and rebelling against that. He's also a teenager chafing under the authority of his parents. And the theme of the movie is very much about like, take a leap of faith, let him spread his wings, right? You know, um, and so all of that is really what what stitches kind of this stuff together in my in my mind. It makes it good compared to something that's like a multiverse movie um, like No Way Home that I didn't like because I don't think it does that work. I think No Way Home is a little too interested in sort of the I don't want to say like spectacle. It's kind of spectacle. Yeah, it's the fan just service. In kind, yeah, in the fan service, in just sort of the the base level plot stuff. Um, and it's not actually using the multiverse to make. I actually think it's using the multiverse to make a pretty bad point, right? The idea, like this is, and which is what I complained about, right? That like, oh, well, actually, Peter Parker could just fix everything, you know, given enough time in a high school is like chemistry. I was like, no, they, that's that's a really shitty sort of underpinning theme to to that to that movie and how. It, and how it sort of works. Um, but in the pantheon of all of this multiverse stuff, it's interesting that these two came out basically right on top of each other. Um, and uh, and I think that they both use the multiverse in a good way. The other multiverse movie, I would think, by the way, that, that uses the multiverse well is Everything Everywhere All at Once, yeah. right? Um, which obviously won the Oscar, won Best Picture, and everything like that. But that's probably, right, like one of the best versions of a multiverse movie because the entire thing is this extended metaphor for kind of the weight of the choices that we make individually, right? Um, and uh, how they affect other people in sort of like a butterfly effect kind of like phenomenon, right? But it's like rooted in the drama of this of this small family um, and the relationships that the family has to one another. So it's kind of like, I think th like that's clever, just kind of like on its face. So these are like in my mind, these are the big three multiverse movies, and they the they work for that set of reasons. I, I agree. I mean, you are missing the other big multiverse movie, which is Multiverse of Madness, which was bad. So, you know, um, like that is, that is uncontroversial. No, to be bad. clear, I, I'm saying big three, like good okay, multiverse yeah. movies, right? Uh, multiverse of Madness was bad. Uh, Spider-Man No Way Home was bad. There's another one that I was thinking, uh, but I can't remember what it was. So I, I'm less harsh on No Way Home than you, and I'm also more harsh on Flash than you, but like just kind of to, to round those out, like Multiverse of Madness doesn't even like, doesn't effectively use that mechanic, right? Or like, if I'm going to be charitable. The multiverse stuff is like a side plot device. It is not the main focus of it, which, uh, you know, is which which makes it run more, much more like a conventional movie. Um, whereas um, No Way Home is a problem. And I, th I think there's just a problem with like any of these things. It's like, you know, the, the, the plot for a lot of these movies, especially if you could pull someone out of a specific point in time, is um, the the plot, the, 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 the issue with, with the No Way Home is... Um, is that the, the plot is always, we can fix it. And the answer always has to kind of be like, no, you can't, right? Um, and that's generally deeply unsatisfying. Or you could do No Way Home and say, yes, you can, uh, except maybe there's a little bit of a consequence or something, right? Like, um, which is why No Way Home is not great. Um, so I think, I think that's a, the sum total of, of, of that, uh, that particular stuff. But we've gone on a lot about like, you know, the multiverse <laughs> physics of this movie yeah. on kind of like basic level stuff, right? Like, um, how did you feel about the characters, the other stuff in this movie? 
Uh, before we get out, I just want to answer a question oh. in the chat. Did Miguel destroy Peter B. Parker's universe? Uh, no. So we have, we see Peter B. Parker's universe yes, later yeah. on when he goes and he talks to like MJ and he gets like recruited by Gwen into this like team of Spider-Men who are going to go rescue Miles in the end and all that other sort of stuff. Um, but I do understand because there was a part where Miguel leaned on Peter B. Parker in order to convince Miles of the importance of canon stuff, right? Um, so uh, anyway... Uh, I just interrupt you. What? what, what oh, what just like what, what? What other things? What, like we we talked a lot about like the metaphysics of the movie. Is there? Oh right, yes. Yeah. So some of the other stuff. Uh, one of the other things I just want to talk about is the ending, right? So I think this is the other thing that really steals the satisfaction, you know, and 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 drives uh, across the universe down a little bit for me, um, which was that um, it ends on a cliffhanger. That I think is clever in a sense, right? Like, he gets sent to the wrong universe, which I don't like. But, um... Or, not which I don't like, which I do like. I think that that's clever, but it's like, it ups the six. It's bad, right? He wants to go home, and he is now stranded in this other universe without a Spider-Man, right? Um, but I am also, uh, interested, I guess I would say, um, in the setup and I feel like it doesn't deliver. I feel like this movie doesn't work up to its cliffhanger ending compared to, I would say for instance, Fast X, which I thought, you know, it had a cliffhanger ending, but I was kind of fine with it because it just worked up to it in a way that I found reasonably satisfying and I was kind of on board with compared to this where I was like, wait, really? Oh, oh okay. It was kind of a little anticlimactic and a little bit of a letdown. Um, does that make sense? How did you feel about all that? Um, I figured it was going to cut. Like, I, I had several moments where I was like, it's going to cut here, right? It's going to get here, right? And then... Did you know that it was going to cut? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I knew going into it, it was going to cut. Um, oh, just maybe just... that's the... Honestly, maybe that's the issue. Because I... In Fast X, I knew they were going to cut somewhere. We knew it was part one of two, right? In... You didn't know across it was... the Spider Verse. I did not. I, yeah, I, had no I, idea. I knew it was. I mean, I knew there beyond the Spider Verse was like obviously I knew that it got greenlit for another sequel, um, but I just I didn't know that it was going to end on such an obvious kind of cliffhanger. Oh, I, I didn't even know. I thought it was going to be across Spider Verse Part One and Part Two. I I, I knew that this was going to be a two part movie. Like I think before it came out, or at least that was my impression. Maybe I got I I inappropriately absorbed it somewhere, but you know, I'm just a shout out Lou in the chat. Um, kids shouldn't fuck with the multiverse. Um. I like I I do think the important thing here is that is that there's no time travel element, which is the thing. It's the place where you really have to kind of like you have to say it doesn't work because if it works, then you just go fix everything, and uh, there's no plot anymore. Um, that or the plot is just like dealing with the problems. Um, or you know, I mean, I do think that there have been other time travel movies that have answered this question satisfactorily, right? Um, in the sense that, so for instance, um, uh, time travel movies, huh? Maybe I can't think of a good example of this. Well, so here's – but my, my my philosophy is that there are time travel movies where you fix things, but they go wrong anyway. And the reality is that you can never make a perfect universe, right? Things will always go wrong. Things will always be bad. No matter how many times you iterate, you're never going to make it perfect, right? Um, I can't think of a good example of this off the top of my head. Maybe, maybe, maybe there's like comics with that, you know, or something kind of along those sorts of lines. But I would, I would get on board with that as sort of like a a, a version of time travel where you could embrace the ability to change the past and fix things um, and change them around or whatever um, without, you know. 
yeah, I, committing yourself to a, to an infinite project of iterative whatever. Right. I mean, the, the answer is, is you, you get it good enough and then you don't care anymore, right? Which is the back to the future answer, right? Finally, like, uh, yeah, Bruce Lowain in the chat, Final Destination, I think is a good example. Perfect. It's not explicitly time travel, but it is exactly the phenomenon I'm trying to get across, right? This idea that, you know, even if you do sort of cheat death, right, um, it'll it'll kind of catch up with you. That's pretty similar to, to what I'm... Uh, to what I'm... Yeah. No. I mean, so, yeah. so the interesting thing is, like, the other archetype movie is like the standard archetype is denying fate, right? Like, right. Um, and that happens a lot. It's just weird because it's like, inter- like the multiverse puts like a kind of like this time travel esque spin on it, right? Like, it's, it's causing this to collide. But like, denying your fate is like that's like again that's the Matrix. That's like a classic movie trope, right? You are not tied to your fate, right? Um, mm. And uh, that's basically what this movie is. It's just in a multiverse world, and that, that's the issue, right? Like. Um, like, so, I don't know, this might be, this might be, like, one of those weird things where, like, basically, um, Back to the Future ruined it to every, for everyone, because, like, there are a bunch of thick, thick pieces written about how, like, actually, Marty's living in a, in a horrible kind of, like, new future where he doesn't actually know his parents because they're different people than the ones that he grew up with type of deal, right? Like, um, so, like, maybe somebody, like... Every every aspiring film writer or f- film writer read that like read those think pieces and is like, well, I guess we can't do fix the past things anymore. Um, By the way, uh, the thing I'm thinking of is Edge of Tomorrow. Um, yeah, okay, because yeah. that is a movie that has time travel and that is iterative. But the point of the movie is not to like it is to thread the needle, right. and there are sort of th- threats, and you have to accept. You know what I mean? Like, like he the bad things. He doesn't that have arbitrary. Time power, right? This is, this is like this yes. is like the time loop. Any time, this is a different type of movie. Time loop movie, right? Groundhog Day. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen the Andy Samberg one, but I believe you have, right? Um, Palm Springs. Palm Springs. Andy Samberg one. Um, yep. Edge of Tomorrow, right? These these are all kind of like time loop movies where like it's about achieving an objective, like getting a perfect roguelike run, right? Yes. Uh, yeah, that is a great example of it. There's another one I think called Source Code, uh, which I'm pretty sure is about this. So yeah. Yeah. No, I mean. But yes, uh, we should we should talk a little bit more about like the actual. <laughs> yeah, we're getting, we're getting sucked into the multiverse of yeah, this podcast, yeah, you guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> this podcast, which has which has an alternate universe podcast about food that you know crosses over every April. You remember? Um, interesting in the chat across the Spider Verse ending reminded me so much of the ending of Pirates Two. It was deflating of all of the excitement that was built. Uh, I feel that even though I'm a Pirates Two enjoyer, I quite like Pirate the Pirates of the Caribbean Dead Man's Chest with like uh, you know um, the uh, uh, God what the fuck is his name Davy Jones. Jones. Davy Jones is so cool and iconic, and I actually think that that movie is a really fun adventure. But I would absolutely agree that ending is a letdown right um i think the thing that that makes this one feel like a letdown is uh is the lack of it doesn't set me up for i I, and i think what i'm getting at is a little bit of like what makes a good cliffhanger i think the reason that i that i connected with the fast x cliffhanger is because you see it in this thing of i can't wait to see how they solve this right um where it is creating a certain level of sort of these stakes right um the 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 crew is in an airplane that just gets shot down by the secret twist reveal villain bad guy dom's brother dies in a blaze of glory it's just dom and his kid right letty and uh um 
Cypher are stuck in Antarctica, but then, you know, there's a sub that, that turns It's just like, it's it, all of that is simultaneously, like, enticing, and it sets me up for, like, oh, I, I need to know what happens sort of next. I didn't really get that feeling, to be honest with you, um, in uh, Across the Spider-Verse. I guess maybe because, like, it didn't set itself up for what's next in enough of a satisfying way right like the spot is technically a villain who we know will be in beyond the spider-verse right um and we've seen some sort of like premonition-y level stuff of what he intends to do and how he's probably going to end up maybe killing miles's dad we don't know um but you don't really see the spot. It's not like the spot is having a direct confrontation with Miles right before the cliffhanger, right? He's just kind of a, a loose end that is not being taken care of, right? Um, similarly, you have uh, Miguel and the spiders trying to track down Miles, but they're looking in the in the wrong universe, and it's Gwen who realizes, oh, actually, he's in this other universe. I'm going to get, like, the gang together. Maybe that's the most interesting part of the of the puzzle but like that gang doesn't really do any like they don't really do anything and it doesn't leave me with that level of like hope i guess um i don't know it's just like that this is the stuff that sort of deflated the ending to me yeah so so like so so loose Lu in the chat did a movie not have stakes again it has stakes it's just like it's one of those things where like the stakes are like super well established but like it's not, like, necessary to traverse the intermediate part to get, like, the stakes are going to happen in two days, right? Like, they're not directly tied to the actions that end this movie, right? Um, right, that's actually exactly the point, right? right? Yes. It is, the, the, the thing that happened in Fast X is you watch the plane with all of these characters you love get shot out of the sky, right? Right before the cliffhanger happens, right? It is an immediate thing. Right. There's no immediacy, I, I feel like, to to what happens in Across the Spider-Verse, which I think is really what I what, what I might be describing. Yeah. Right? Um, and, and it's also one of those things where, like, you don't like it's, it's not like there's a lot to figure out. Like, how do they get like, you know, what's the explanation? It's not like because, like, what the resolution of fast the fast X trilogy will ultimately be is <laughs> right. It's like not known yet. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, we know essentially what is going to happen in the next Spider-Verse movie. They're going to stop Spot from dropping a building on Captain, uh, you know, on Captain Morales, right? Um, or like, you know, some variation of that. And so that can, like, there's, like, it's like, it's like if I wrote down, I could write the Wikipedia summary for the two movies kind of right now. And like the meat, like the, the middle paragraph that describes like the main plot of, uh, you know, Beyond the Spider-Verse is like, like just kind of like filler almost, or like it, it can kind of sl sl slide into that slot, right? Like it, it might, it might feel like it'll probably be fine. It'll probably be good, but like it doesn't, it doesn't have like the anticipation building that you want it to. Um, yeah, it's sort of like uh, I almost, I almost want to say there's kind of a prophecy. Maybe I would call it like a, I would call it like the prophecy problem or something like that, right? Which is that like whenever a movie prophesizes something, right, you you know walking into it what's what's going to happen kind of next right. right because it has to adhere somehow to the prophecy and i think prophecies are fun and interesting but they're fun and interesting in kind of like the game of thrones way right where like you have multiple different ways right when we learn that 
um, uh, Azora High, right? In universe, there's a prophecy about him. He's going to be the one to to kill the to kill the Night King or whatever, right? And fans can have this these arguments about like, oh, I think Jamie is going to be a, a Azora High, and he fits these these characteristics. Oh, I think Tyrion is Azora High, and he fits fits these characteristics. I think John, I think Danny, right? Like you can you can kind of have these sort of like competing interpretations of what sort of the prophecy means but the thing is is that in this movie they literally just show it to you right they show the spot he goes to new york and he drops a building on miles's dad it that that happens right um which kind of locks you in in a very narrow way yeah fast x has no prophecy there's no prophecy there's also by the way no source material right they could do whatever they want with because like they they're making these movies up as they go Whereas Spider-Man, you know, is inherently this borrowed property with all of this history and all this other sort of stuff and is explicitly about the canonicity of these events, right, of, um, you know, the the importance or whatever of the death of the, the police captain. So it's just like the, the, that's I feel like that's what makes these two different. One of them is truly unpredictable in a in a way that, you know, even even in like even Fast X, knowing the way that movie is is like set up Jason Momoa is the son of the guy from the fifth movie and he's out for revenge I had no idea what any of the plot points in that movie were going to be walking into that right maybe the only one I could have predicted is Jason Momoa and Dom have a confrontation and taunt one another right in a place where they can't just Kill, kill each other with guns, right? Like, I don't know. There's, so that's, I feel like, what, what helps differentiate them kind of on that level as well. Oof. Bruce Lil Wayne, can't believe all the new way, No Way Home slander followed up by all this FNF support. I can tell you're a new fan because we have, if you would like to hear our thoughts on the Fast and Furious franchise, we did all 10 movies. <laughs> we did do all we 10 movies. Yeah, books. this is true. I am, by the way, I am definitely a No Way Home hater and I, I apologize for that. It's just, that movie hit me really in the wrong way. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. I think, I think part of it is that uh, to give to give you to catch you up a little, this is our this is our, this is our like last time on some derp talk <laughs> about games episode three hundred right instead of three hundred and sixty three or whatever the number is. My thing about No Way Home is I really really love those Sam Raimi movies, and I got this thing about No Way Home where it felt like it would it felt like a personal betrayal right that he was able to just control Doc Ock's arms with nanites right oh. I can just fix this by installing a new chip in your brain. Oh, I can just fix you by, you know, reverse engineering the the thing that turned you into the Green Goblin. That stuff really bothered me because it kind of like undercuts what makes those movies um uh what makes those movies uh I guess good. Yeah. Um but just back to your point about the the kind of uh the the, the stakes thing. I've been marinating on this while you while you were talking. Just like, I think part of it too is like, it's there's like not a lot to like theory craft about, right? Like, we know like like again, this is the Wikipedia point, right? The gang is going to figure out that he's in Universe Forty Two, and they're going to go get him, and like that is and like you know, there are going to be details there that will be visually stunning and interesting, but like it's not like there's a lot there, right? Like, also, we know that, like, the puzzle pieces are all there, right? Like, we know it's their essential plan of action, right? Like, um, 
because and like we know that they know what universe he was supposed to come from right like they taught like they say you know universe 42 that's like a big thing they show universe 42 on the thing right like um you know i i i was was that supposed to be like a was that moment supposed to be a pull for the audience because like i like I kind of knew immediately that what was happening with the plot when that happened, right? Like, yeah, no, but I think that's dramatic irony. Uh, I also knew immediately. I also think this movie's a little bit for kids. Um, yeah, I think like that's the kind of thing that you and me are going to catch. But like, uh, when a twelve-year-old, I bet 10, 10 kids all watch that movie. One of them caught it, and he's going to feel like a god for the day. Yeah, you know, like fair. that kind of thing. So that's fair. That's fair. I I do forget that these movies are for children um, sometimes. Uh, uh, Bruce Lil Wayne in the chat says Gwen knows that he is in 42, right? Uh, theoretically, she hasn't said it yet. Like, this, this is the thing that will annoy me if they can't figure it out, right? It's going to be like, you should know this, right, type of deal. Like, too, too stupid. Yeah. This is the thing we've talked about. Like, when it's too stupid, it, it bothers me. Like, there, there's a limit. Like, I'm willing to, like, you know, suspend disbelief. But, like, yep. Gwen really should know. Um, Miguel should definitely know. Like, you could, you could farm some tension off of that, right? Like, Miguel can beats them to the punch because he knows and they have to, like, figure it out or something or like they can't you know like she can't dial in her wristwatch to the i guess she can't we know that she can dial in her wristwatch really easily because she kind of does that with hobie's jank wristwatch yep um yeah i don't know um do you want to talk about gwen I, I thought Gwen, Gwen is the other thing that's a big pillar supporting this movie, yeah. which is she has a really compelling story. I'm a big fan of everything they were doing with kind of Gwen and her dad, mostly because I think I'm just so starved for secret fucking identities in these in these superhero movies. Um, it's crazy to me. I think of the secret identity as an incredibly important pillar of any superhero movie, show, property, whatever, right? Um you know, so much time and effort in the comics gets spent on maintaining secret identities, right? Um, but kind of for the last, like, 15 years, maybe? I don't know. I'm, like, I'm trying to think. The Dark Knight has, has, like, worries a lot about secret identities. That was 2008. I just feel like secret identities have not been an important well, part of... Um, yeah, so p part of it is that, you know, the end of Iron Man 1... Robert, you know, not Robert Downey Jr. Tony Stark comes out and says, I am Iron Man, right? Like, Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yep, um, true. And subverts the trope, right? Which, you know, was innovative at the time, but we've had, you know, like you said, like 15 years of fucking Marvel movies, right? Like more than that, right? Because um, Iron Man was, was that was that was like 2006 or so, maybe? Um, but around that time. Iron Man frame. was also 2008. They were both okay, 2008. Yeah, yeah. So right around that time frame, right? Um, uh, he subverts the trope. Um, and then basically all the Marvel – all, almost all of the Marvel superheroes are, like, operating in the open. And when they're not, it's not like it's a um, – the, the movie never really focuses on that except for Spider-Man, right? Like, Spider-Man has, has it, but, it, like, it tends to not – like, focuses it on it in the – it focuses on it in the movies to a certain extent, but it's not, like, the, the focus focus. And then, like, you know. Yeah, this is part of what I really liked about Far From Home, right? You know, I talked about how that feels like a really true – Spider-Man story to me, right? Um, it just, like, hits on all the beats. And part of that is the tension between, you know, Peter Parker, teenager who wants to have fun, and Peter Parker, you know, Spider-Man who wants to save lives kind of thing. Um which I think is which I think is is kind of neat. And there's some movies that have touched on it in ways that I think are like fine or fun. Um, obviously, for instance, I like in Batman vs Superman. There's uh, there's secret identity stuff because you have Bruce Wayne and Clark Kent meeting in a thing. You know, like 
in a uh, in like a party, right? And having that kind of we we can't actually do this, but we get like that's fine. That's like a that's like a, a clever use of a secret identity. But not but that's all ancillary, right? This, these are all sort of like orbiting the concept of a secret identity, not really actually about the core concept itself, which is what felt really sweet about the all of the Gwen stuff happening right there on screen, right? Um, and I just I just I just loved it. <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was. I, I thought like so I'm I am not like again you know more about the stuff than I do I didn't know yeah. about like Gwen's story where um, Peter becomes the reptile right that's like a variation on the reptiles what he's mm. supposed to be um, yeah the lizard technically by the way I also did not know this stuff because Spider Gwen is just I've never read that book it's okay. a little after my time but um, I think it's a neat variation uh, weirdly I I like the idea of this is gonna sound fucked up like Peter Parker school shooter. You know, like the idea that Peter Parker in a different sort of vein is actually a really depressed, troubled kid, right? There's something about that that I just find really appealing, I guess. Kind of like an almost like an evil Superman way, right? You know, in the same way that I find like evil super, like the Injustice story is compelling, right? Um, I don't know. There's something about Peter Parker turns himself into a fucking supervillain. There is a comic by a notorious... A kind of alt-right guy online about across is this but, stone toss yes it's stone toss okay um and uh the, he it's about um uh across the spider versus there's a black spider-man and through a portal swings in a spider-man wearing a confederate flag uniform so i just when you said school shooter peter park i just imagined peter <laughs> spider-man swinging in wearing like a trench coat and like oh my god <laughs> And like a fedora, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, there, there, that was a, uh, there was a Spider-Man comic about him stopping a school shooter. Um, that was uh, like twenty years ago now. Yeah, uh, but I remember it being really like powerful at the time. It was during um, uh, J. Michael Straczynski's. He had a really long, famous run with John Romita Jr. Um, and they they did a thing where Peter Parker became a teacher, became a math teacher at Midtown High. Um, and one of his students came in and became a school shooter. And Spider-Man had to, it was like, oh, hit me. That like hits me where I live, right? Um, man, yeah. Anyway, uh, so the Gwen stuff. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Gwen stuff was, was, was neat. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um. Do you like the? Do you, have you followed any of the conversation about the trans stuff? I saw it. I kind of ignored it. Like, I I, I think it's I I I like it for a very dumb sort of reason, to be honest with you, which is sort of like baby's first subtext. Because I actually think that the argument works on that subtextual level. All of the colors, all of Gwen's colors sure. are like the colors of that we would associate with like the trans flag and stuff like that. And thematically, everything that her, she is doing is also intensely relatable, right? Um, you know, if you're like a, a a trans person having a tough time kind of dealing with your uh, like dealing with your parents. And I thought all of that stuff worked great and it would have been ruined if they had said it, right? You know, it, because it would have it would have kind of put too fine a, a, so, a button on so, it. So this is the thing, right? Like, I, th I think what you're pointing at is, like, Gwen doesn't have to be trans, right? Mm -hmm. 
the way an allegory works is you don't actually have to be the thing, right? Like this is like you know, yeah. This is this is like people people talking about like you know like oh the X Men were always kind of folk. Sure, but like the point was that like it wasn't about the mutants <laughs> being black, right? Like like Storm was literally black, but that wasn't the point, right? It was an yeah. allegory, right? Like. Um, so no, I and I also think it. Th uh, there's this whole other conversation about Spider Verse that drives me wild, which is the people who have sort of taken it as a sort of an attack on like the concept of like fandom and like the the sort of nature of superhero movies being based off of canon sort of source material, right? And people will get kind of up in arms about what is and isn't canon, and they'll, like, argue about this stuff. And I hate all these arguments. I think they're all so fucking stupid. Um, uh, and to me, this is another version of that kind of an argument, right? It is not about the, the themes or the character underlying this stuff in terms of, like, an emotional sort of connection right it is not about connecting to Gwen the character and the and the and the trauma and the the you know the fight that she is making internally in order to overcome her issues right this is the stuff that I think is what is part and parcel of good storytelling right um, it is about answering the like definitive lore question like you're trying to assemble the Wikipedia page. Do you know what I mean? Yes. No, it's I like exactly. really missing the forest for really missing for the forest for the trees, um, which is also how some people have talked about like how I, I even hate the way that some folks have said, I love to cross the spider verse because it shut up stupid fanboys who just care about like Canon and care about this stuff and shows that you can do stuff outside of canon with these stories or whatever. And it's just like, God, that like also is so dumb and kind of misses the point because like the point of to take the fanboy side for a second, the point of canon is to make those emotional moments, right? The yes, it is a canon thing where miles sort of inadvertently learns that his uncle is the prowler and kind of sort of causes his uncle's death right in the same way that peter parker causes ben like uncle ben's death we would consider that a canon moment and that's an important canon moment it's not an important canon moment because like it sits in the timeline it's an important canon moment because it's a really emotionally charged scene right like i <laughs> i think that that's the stuff that 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 works and that matters and that i'm sorry to free the chat everyone in chat Orahe just wrote, plot twist, Gwen's dad is the one who is trans. Coming this summer, Spider-Verse trans cop dad. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, I'm sorry. Anyway, so it's like they, they're both kind of from this premise of the thing that matters is the lore, right? And keeping an accurate, meticulous set of notes about what actually happened, right? Whereas, in my perspective, the reason that canon is important or these character moments, this like the, this trans Gwen stuff is important is because it helps impart the emotional kind of underpinning uh, of this stuff. Right. And I feel like just really, I just feel like nerds don't want to talk about emotions. That is part of it. And, I, and like, I understand the impulse to kind of like know the lore, um, mm. but also like, I mean, like, I, I think, I think you're ultimately right. Like, right. Like being like, well, that's not canon. is just as bad as like, that's, that wasn't canon, right? Like, like both, both yeah, sides yeah. of the same coin are like, 
both bad, right? Like it, the story stands. On yeah, its because own. they're both accepting that that yeah. premise in my mind that I yeah. think is just like dumb, and it's like what this is the opposite of what we should be talking about when we talk about like movies or whatever. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um. <sighs> Trans cop dad would be would be pretty pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> I have to say one other thing that I really enjoyed about the movie is uh, I'd watch that show. True. Me too. I would also watch that show. One other thing about the movie that I really uh, enjoyed is all of the opening stuff. This is this is actually, I think, the unsung good stuff in, um, in Spider-Verse. I bet there was a temptation to cut a bunch of this. And I bet somebody at the studio gave a bunch of these notes like, let's get to the cool stuff. Let's get to the Spider-Verse. Let's get to, you know, all of these crazy new Spider-Men showing up or whatever. That would have been so fucking stupid and bad, right? And it is kind of the mistake that some of the other multiverse movies make. Uh, most notably Multiverse of Madness, right? Where it is a little too... It's a little too excited to do the fun and games of multiverse without properly setting up the characters, right? Um... And kind of that emotional thematic underpinning that's that's happening, um, uh, kind of underneath, right? Uh, and all of the stuff with Miles and his dad and his mom, and I love that his mom got this big, you know, kind of spotlight, and they had the party and the cakes and stuff like that. And the thing with the cakes was really funny. It's just like all that stuff. I think is no one will no one will talk about this except for except for me. Okay, but that is like the groundwork on which this being a good movie is sort of is sort of laid. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I mean, I excuse me. Sorry. Hair in my mouth. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's a good movie, right? Like, I don't know if we got much else to. to, to yeah, it's hard to talk about. Yeah, it's yeah. hard to talk about a good movie. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, again, just maybe just talk about these last couple things, the last couple of minutes. Bruce Lorraine in the chat brings up that, uh, uh, something about Donald Glover being Spider-Man or Miles, I guess. And then Bendis made, Brian Michael Bendis made Miles because he was annoyed at the backlash. Do you know anything about that stuff? You're more, uh, the comic stuff. Like I know, I know at one point that Donald Glover was kind of like a dream cast for Miles and he was pretty well, um, foreshadowed as the Prowler in, um, in the Marvel movie, in, um, what was it, Far From And Home? he shows up as the Prowler in this yeah, movie, yeah, yeah. right? Um, you know, as being kind of contained or whatever. Uh, yeah, I mean, I do know, the, so the backlash about Brian Michael Bendis uh, and Miles was around sort of Brian Michael Bendis ending the Ultimate Spider-Man run, which, to be fair... I also think was bullshit. I was part of that backlash, right? I grew up on that run, right? That was the first run of comics I ever I ever read. I have every issue in a long box, like, you know, 20 feet behind me. Um, and, uh, and it basically what happened was Brian Michael Bendis got fed up with writing sort of teenage Peter Parker um, and wanted to do something new. And so he kills teenage Peter Parker pretty abruptly, uh, I would say. Um, and then moves over to Miles. This is not, the backlash is not about Miles. I'm actually fine. I actually, what, to be fair, I quite like Miles. I also have all of the Miles issues back there, right? Um, but it is about killing, you know, Peter Parker as he, as he existed in that, in that incarnation, right? What every, what I wanted, what everyone wanted was just have Peter Parker stick around, you know, like have him be around, just have two fucking Spider-Man, right? Have Miles Morales, Ultimate Spider-Man, and Peter Parker, Ultimate Spider-Man, right? Hand, if you don't want to write it anymore, hand it off to another writer. That was that was the backlash at the time. Yeah, this okay. was like 
15 fucking years ago. Um, yeah. yeah. The Donald Glover stuff, it was before Tom Holland was cast. Uh, Glover wore Spider-Man pajamas in Community. So I mean, sort of campaigning for him to be the new Spider-Man after Garfield. I also do remember this. I feel like that's probably not it's something that, that got factored into, you know, too much um, – into, into a movie like this one, right? Um, I think at the end of the day, you know, they probably weren't thinking all that much around backlash and whether, you know, and making kind of comments on those sorts of, uh, I don't know, on those sorts of yeah. things. I mean, I, uh, and if you want to take the most charitable interpretation, right? Like, we already yep. have one character who is both the Prowler and Spider-Man, right? Like, you, you know, nothing says that Donald Glover can't be a Spider-Man at some point, right? Can't be Miles. True. Um, that would be... Yeah. No, I, uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah. I feel like that's enough. That's 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 my that's our that's our across the Spider Verse hot takes. Yeah. Um, what's what's been going on? How's your week, bud? It's been it's been good. Um, beyond, uh, I've been playing Street Fighter. I've been playing Diablo. I'm like level sixty now. Um, Ooh, I have also been playing a lot of Diablo, though I have petered off a tiny little bit. I'm still level eighty-two or something, which I think is what I was last week. Maybe I'm eighty-three or eighty-four by now. I don't know. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, anything else significant on my side? Um, I don't know. I've been rotating between Diablo and a little bit of WoW and Street Fighter, just because Street Fighter. Um, All of you are talking about Street Fighter got me to play Soul Calibur 6 because Soul Calibur is my fighting game uh, and I bought it a long time ago and I never actually touched it and I was like let's let's dig in and so I downloaded Soul Calibur 6 um, and I've been playing Mitsudugi because of course uh, I actually I've not been playing Mitsudugi because the story mode Soul Calibur has a really powerful character creation engine so instead I made say it with me chat Shimada Kambe. Wow. <laughs> and gave and you assigned them a move set from one of the main characters, right? And so I gave him the Mitsudugi, you know, samurai uh, uh, move set. And so I've just been playing Kambe in, you know, this sort of honestly, it's kind of crazy. It's like a quasi RPG sort of thing. But the 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 craziest thing, the the nutsest thing, is that I intuitively know how to play this character from Soul Calibur Two. 20 years ago yeah. and the moveset I was like I thought the moveset was going to change a lot right and there is some stuff that's different just because of the updates of how controllers and stuff worked um, the the modern controllers use different types of uh, like different types of inputs uh, compared to what we used on the PlayStation 2 but basically the whole moveset is the exact same and it, i was like oh my god i'm just doing everything i used to do back in those days and it's just working it's the exact same shit yeah um that's the way it goes which is act yeah that's like pretty uh, it's like like you know street fighter 6 zangief has some new stuff right has some slightly different stuff but like most of it's the same thing as it was in 4 um as like you know the big change was they made a bunch of the rapid tap like Blanka's electricity and uh, Honda's thousand hand slap, they made them quarter circle motions um, uh, instead of like rapid taps. Cause I think that was like an accessibility concern um, hmm. in addition to modern controls. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's, that's kind of the, the feeling, right? Like go back, you, st you can still like, you know, mash out three sixties, get your spinning pile drivers. It's fucking great. Um, you know, because I think par part of that's by design, right? Like they, they want you who have like, you know, if you're like a core player that's been playing for like 20 years, they don't want you to have to completely relearn 
how to they want that muscle memory to mostly continue over and like you know put in some new things for some new inputs but yeah that's basically it. Yeah, I mean, the funny thing, I honestly, I need to, like, up the difficulty. Uh, the funny thing is that, there, like I said, so it's an RPG sort of system, right? There's a whole map. You can explore stuff. There's random encounters or whatever. Uh, because the the moveset, like, the, the character creator is so robust, you're not fighting canon characters most of the time. You're fighting the kind of mooks with their moveset, right? Um, and, uh... But the, the crazy thing is that there's, like, levels, right? So my, you know, combe is level 8. Um, and I have a level 8 sword, and my level 8 sword has a little bit of crit on it, right? And does, like, a little bit of extra damage or whatever. But I have been housing so hard, just kind of on the fundamentals that I have from 20 years ago, that, like, I keep getting random encounters. Like, I got a random encounter with a, with a level 27 bandit. Um, and just because it's a fighting game and, like, you can block and parry and dodge things, right, uh, and chain combos in order to kill guys. Like, it took me forever to kill him, right? Um... And every time he hit me, it chunked like half my health or whatever. Uh, but in three rounds, I was able to I was able to beat the the level twenty seven guy just by being offensive and and pretty good footsies with the with the computer, I guess, right? Like, which I which I thought was actually a pretty funny like limitation of the genre, right? When you give people sort of um, you know like a block button that reduces all damage taken um, and the ability to you know execute big long chains that will do a bunch of guaranteed damage, right? Um, all that stuff is interesting. The one, uh, by the way, the one new addition to this, which does make a pretty big difference, is there are supers, uh, it, which there were not in Soul Calibur Two. In Soul Calibur Two, you had kind of supers in the sense that. You could do really powerful attacks that you that were unblockable damage, right? Um, that you do like a big lightning fire swing, um, and it was the kind of thing that you couldn't block, uh, which was part of the the meta, right? Like so, for instance, Astroth had a lot of these. Uh, it is hard to be defensive against Astroth because he has that big giant great axe, and if you're sitting there and you're just blocking and parrying shit, he's gonna punish the fuck out of you because he has a million of these like lightning moves. Um, uh, but now there are true supers that you can like build to, and they do stuff, uh, which is sort of which is sort of neat. Yeah, no, 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 makes makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, Street Fighter, the new Street Fighter actually has a World Tour, which is basically it has a character creator, and you fight mooks, and you pick a you actually get to mix and match moves, but you have to like build it up. Like I haven't played a ton of it, but like I have Luke's corset oh, okay. with like some of Chun Li stuff in there. Um, uh, because uh, those are the first two that you meet, but, like, you have random encounters, too. It's kind of derpy, but, like, I, I don't know if it's so much a limitation of the genre as it is kind of, like, just, like, a way of, like, limitation implies it's negative, right? Like, you know, Dark Souls, you can play that game at level one, and you can dodge every yep. attack, right? Like, so I think, like, you know, it's, it's part of the design, you know, uh, of it, right? Like, it's skill-based rather than uh, purely numbers-based, which is neat. Um, yeah. Um, but, yeah. Um I am back on my weapon switching build in Diablo. Um, I'm, I'm I'm effectively too high level for or too too well geared for like tier three, but way too low level for tier four. Like I hit level sixty and I had done some runs with friends of the cast Monic where he basically killed everything and I picked up some ancient stuff like a couple pieces um, that were better than what I had and so I was like oh I hit level but they they bought him out at level sixty so I'm like oh I hit level sixty maybe I can do tier four now. I went into tier four and I immediately died. So, you know, I'm back on tier three. So, you know, that's not as, like, 
that's a good game to listen to podcasts too, but it's not like I don't find yep. it particularly compelling as like an actual game game. Like when I want to concentrate in like game game, I play, um, uh, I play Street Fighter um, or Australia, but again, I can't talk too much about that, but you know, it's uh, soon yeah. we will have our, we will have our faded Australia podcast. I'm very excited, yeah. but soon, <laughs> I, it's, you know, it's a, I like Australia, and I'm, that's about. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Yeah, no, I mean, um, yeah, I, I, I feel that. I feel you. Yeah, it's uh, Diablo is very much like that. I'm off my weapon switching build. Funnily enough, um, I have this like kind of doomer moment a little bit. Uh, like I'm in like the the 40s right now in terms of nightmare sigils. Um, which I feel pretty good because I'm doing this homebrew, right? Um, and a lot of my friends are also in the 40s, uh, but they're in there with like very like I would call it meta builds, right? Um, and I have this sort of homebrew build that I think is um, is fun and interesting, um, and it's satisfying that I was able to kind of like get there on my own kind of thing. Uh, but I eventually swapped off of weapon switching because I got a really good hammer. I got an 820 ancestral mace with good rolls, basically, right? And I was like, I have to use this, right? Um, 820 is the maximum item level, something like that, getting good rolls. It's like getting best in slot and wow kind of thing. Uh, and so I kind of, I pulled off the... Um, the pieces of my gear that were built for weapon switching, um, and I instead refocused my beer my gear on two-handed mace. So I'm just using Bash, Hammer of the Ancients, uh, and doing overpower stuff because Bash Bash has a thing where you if you crit four times, your next core skill overpowers. Um, so it's like crit, 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 crit. Hammer of the Ancients does like one and a half million damage just one shots things uh which is really satisfying but also it is hard to live there's a lot of times where i'm dying just to like dumb stuff because uh you know it's hard it's hard at that level right there's a lot of uh there's a lot of damage coming your way yeah no, that makes sense that makes sense um yeah i got a legendary that gives like my weapon mastery abilities a second charge it just makes death blow so much more usable Oh my god, yeah, I know I know the exact one you're talking about. It's real good. Yeah. Because, um, you know, I can be off a little bit, and then I just, like, use it again, and it gets the kill. Um, and it's great. Um, but yeah, no, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's mindless fun, but it's not particularly... I, I am anticipating going back to Tears of the Kingdom sometime soon. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I am anticipating playing Season 1. My goal is to get to level 100 before Season 1 begins. Uh, and then I don't know what I'll do for season one. There's a part of me, uh, I know that in season one, they're adding a bunch of new items and shit, and right. I'm kind of on board for that. Um, yeah, the idea is apparently they're going to sw switch up the meta because they're going to change the uniques. Um, it's my understanding. I could be wrong. Uh, but they're going to change the, the uniques. So there won't be the uniques that we have in the game now. There's going to be new uniques. So hopefully, you know, that will make stuff kind of cool and interesting um i don't love the way that any of the classes work except for barbarian um and lightning sorcerer lightning sorcerer has been a lot of fun i'm a big fan of uh, i'm a big fan of that um but it's not good apparently and also the way everybody is like building their sorcerers is like the exact opposite of the way i want to build my sorcerer i literally just want to i just want to like almost be a vorthos i just want to put lightning 
in all of my skill slots and just do lightning, please, right? Um, but I don't know. I'm just I'm told that's not amazing, uh, which I guess. Fair enough. That sucks. What are you gonna do? Um, yeah. No, that's fair. So, so yeah. Something I want to do. Um, oh, Lou in the chest is power level, everybody. Lou, you should join the Derp Clan. We can play together. Um, uh, uh, something I want to do is I want to replay through Bioshock Infinite because um, I basically I, I watched a video this uh, last night I think um, about how like it didn't hold up on replay and I've heard like that I enjoyed it when I played it and then all the discourse I've heard since has been like it's actually not very good and I kind of want to replay it with some like critical distance and you know we've been doing this podcast for five years before. like book report yeah book report it yeah, right yeah. we play it and then yeah I, that, I, I I'm kind of down for that. I did not like it when I first played it, to be honest with you. I thought it was bad. Yeah, but. My my hot take, and it's not or my suspicion, it's not a hot take yet because I, I can't substantiate it, but everybody complains about basically the the kind of like the fact that like the the uh, the uprising, like the, the the rebellion turns evil when you switch dimensions or whatever, right? Like that was like a, a plot point. Um, and everybody's like, that doesn't make any sense. And my, my memory of it, which isn't great, granted, was that, like, it was just kind of like a standard kind of, like, you know, you know, person's kind of like a, a product of their opportunities, not necessarily of their, like, character, right? Like, you know, like, it's like Daisy Fitzpatrick. That's her, something like that, right? Like, like. Yeah, she's going to kill the kid. And that's the, I remember thinking that was, like, cheap, but whatever. Right. But, like, the, the idea that throughout history, like, revolutionaries against like the upper class turn out to be pretty shitty people, pretty consistent theme. Right. And I remember kind of like thinking about it in those, in those terms at the time, but uh, I'd like to go back and see it just to like, you know, make sure that that take is correct. Um, maybe it's not, maybe it is bad, but like, you know, my, yeah, I mean my, my thing with uh, Bioshock infinite, honestly, we had very little to do with that. It was mostly about the, um, the kind it was about like the combat design right the thing i loved the thing i loved about the original bioshock was i felt like it was a really fun playground to be in right and you were doing all of the normal stuff you were doing boss fights you're doing whatever but like i had a completely different build than everyone else i knew because my thing was about enrage right there was one ability you could throw like a little ball at someone, if you got the ball on them, they just went fucking ape shit and they attacked everybody else kind of around them, right? So I was doing very stealth stuff, very enraged stuff or whatever. And I felt like um, my issue with Bioshock Infinite was there was no, there was nothing like that, right? It was just gun corridor, basically, right? You know, cool guns, shoot, shoot with cool guns. Um, so I felt like they had taken what is essentially would have been like an immersive sim is probably the genre that I would call this, right? Like something like Deus Ex, um, or like, you know, any system of these shock, like thief, right? yeah, system shock, shock, any of the, yeah, these kinds of games and sort of moved it fully into first person shooter. Yeah. And Bioshock um, was definitely a step along with that access, right? Like from, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that makes um, sense. And so, yeah, I mean, the, there were my bread and butter in Bioshock one was stealthing around and, throwing enrage globs at big daddies and just kind of letting them kill everything for me. Right. You know? And, uh, anyway, and so when I played Bioshock infinite, um, you know, that was, that was most of my, I mean, I did not like, I didn't like a lot of the story stuff that was happening kind of in infinite. Um, but I really honestly don't know that I could articulate 
why i remember there being a lot of really beautiful moments i guess yeah. i would i would say to give that you know the game kind of its credits right there's the part where the handyman um was also just intensely disappointed by because they're supposed to be like big daddies, but they're essentially not. There's there's this part where the the handyman is on is is on a stage, kind of being gawked at, and he's having this moment of like, oh my god, I have turned myself into this monster. Like that, like that moment really sat with me. There's a moment where um, I think it's Elizabeth sings with like a like a group of black servants in like a you know one of these you're going through these like servant tunnels that are like gross and decrepit because you know it's obviously the facade of um columbia versus what it would actually sort of end up being and uh the in those tunnels um the uh there's a there's just like a moment where there's a bunch of guys with a guitar there's like doing a little thing and then i remember because elizabeth is like a companion but i remember this thing you walk into the room and she stops following you and she starts walking over to them i was like oh what's this and then she like sings a little song i was like this is transcendent i love this right you know uh but i don't know mo mo like moments like that are great but they're never going to save a game for yeah, me yeah right? no, I mean, so, so part of it i think is is also um in the rearview mirror right like you know um things that are this is the thing you talk about, right? Like, you know, things that come after all these are, are more likely to be better than the things that came before. Um, yep. And I, something I remember is that um, uh, Elizabeth was, like, the first of the kind of, like, companions that you didn't have to worry about, like, shepherding, right? Um, like, and that was, like, I know that was, like, a big thing, like, when they were previewing, it was like, oh, is she going to be a problem? It's like, oh, no, she, you just don't worry about her. And basically every game since has followed that model. And so, like, you know, somebody pointed, like the video I was watching pointed out that, like, you know, um, Last of Us comes out in the same year later in the year. And maybe we remember Bioshock Infinite as fondly if, you know, Last of Us had come out first because, like, Ellie's better than Elizabeth, which I could buy that, right? Like, I really like Last of Us 1. Um, so, you know. Uh, but, yeah, no, I'm interested in going back and just trying it out just, you know, to, to see. Because, so part of it, too, is, like, I didn't play a ton of Bioshock 1, right? Like, I never really went in super for horror games and bioshock one definitely had like a lot of horror elements to it right um whereas infinite was like like you said it like par part of it being like a very much runner and gunner um game was also that it was like a lot cleaner like, a, lot, a lot brighter a lot less horror elements um and you know it was pretty um, although as much as i can recall neither game was very subtle which like you know it's like you know uh it's like it's like a South Park without the humor, right? Like, you know, like, <laughs> like they named, like, part of what, like, escaped me at the time was that, like, they named the man fucking Comstock, right? Like, I didn't know that, like, that was a thing beforehand, right? But, like, you know, it's like, like, at least they had the, the common decency to, like, make Andrew Ryan an anagram, right? Like. What is uh what what should I know about Comstock? It's like it's is it something that I don't know? Yeah, like a, a, a like a, uh, Anthony Comstock is is the guy. Um, he's, he's it's like like it's basically what Zachary Comstock is like very like oh interesting yeah yeah very like Christian okay. very religious very censorship focused like very kind of like idealized you know world in that kind of way. And so, like, a Comstock is a term, right? Like, you know, like, or Comstocky and that kind of thing, right? I didn't know that at the time. Now I do. And it's like, wow, they are, like, the, like 
like I said, at least they had the common decency to make Andrew Ryan an anagram, right? Like, oh my God, he died in Summit, New Jersey. Did he? Do you know Summit? Summit, Summit was very near to Maplewood. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm familiar. <laughs> the the other aspect of this podcast, New Jersey lore. Um, yeah, yeah, true New Jersey lore. Let's go. Yeah, um, wow. I guess he lived in Summit. Look at this. Okay, this is super interesting. I've never heard of this before, but I also totally get it. He opposed obscene literature, abortion, contraception, masturbation, gambling, prostitution, and patent medicine. <laughs> it's like a joke. It's, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like a list of a bunch of things you would expect, and then something is like wild. <laughs> oh. uh, yeah. Um, but yeah. Otherwise, this week, you know, uh, what else? Um, the AC in my house is out, which has been a constant source of worry for me. Um, uh, uh, so I had to like drive to Costco and pick up an AC unit. Um, but you know, that's like home, that's like home improvement problems. Not, uh, not like game related stuff. Did I read anything interesting? Um, not in particular in our kind of like genre of things. Uh, what about you? What, what else have you done with your, uh, week? Lucy in the chat, England has a seat. Yes, it is like. 85 degrees today um it gets hot in the summer um um i've returned to hearthstone uh a little bit i i just wanted to clip off the battle pass which i never got around to i never finished a, a push to legend uh which i wish i i wish i had sort of done it but i was playing my old weapon control warrior deck and unfortunately it's just not meeting the mark uh which mostly seems to be a result of um the meta sort of like shifting away from these sorts of like creature based sort of swarm decks that I could really prey upon with weapon stuff. And it's, uh, you know, it's just like later game value stuff. Uh, but there's a new enraged warrior deck. That's pretty fun. So it's kind of what I'm, it's kind of what I'm doing. It's kind of what I, where, where I'm at a little bit. Um, the other thing that I've been playing is Minecraft. When was the last time you played Minecraft? It must've been in college, right? Oh, uh, I played a little bit post college, but like not in like years. Last okay, yeah, I, I also have not played I, I also have not played Minecraft in years. I haven't played Minecraft since I was working at Square Enix. Um this is the big thing. Um and uh I there's a lot different about Minecraft now. There's like new enemies and shit like that, but it also kind of strikes me that it is kind of the same at the same time, like if I were to think of a game that's a 13 year old darling indie game that got sold to Microsoft for $2 billion, I would have expected there to be more kind of content updates, but like really just seems to amount to there's copper now. Oh, you can find different little rocks underground. There's basalt and amethyst, you know, in caverns. It's just like, it's like stuff like that. Right. Um, which has been pretty, which has been pretty neat, but also fun and also like cathartic. I basically spent most of the weekend just like sitting and mining and building a thing, and just like the the inherent fun of doing of doing something like that in uh, in Minecraft is a you know it's a it's a good time. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Did I watch anything that was like that was cool or that was crazy? <sighs> Oh, I've started watching Peacemaker. Wow, but we can't, I can't. I'm not going to talk about it because you should. You should watch it. Peacemaker is pretty great, though. Uh, at least the first three episodes, which is what I've seen so yeah, far. Yeah, no, I, it's, um, it's on the list. 
I went back. I decided to watch James Gunn's Suicide Squad, which holds up beautifully. I remember really liking that movie, and it was satisfying to go back and watch it and be like, damn, yeah, this is the shit. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, Peacemaker is a, an interesting, fun you know, follow up to that that actually has like a lot of heart. Like John Cena is pretty good. Um I don't know. There's there was a lot <laughs> there was a lot there. Is it because you're shrouded in darkness? No, so is I, that why you got up? No, I forgot to I forgot to turn over my overhead light and those lights which are too far away for me to get to. But I forgot I picked up something earlier today to return to a long absent segment which is trying weird Coke flavors. This is the League of Legends oh, yes. XP plus flavor. Which <laughs> I will try live on camera for us. I believe I did the dream flavor and uh, like the starry flavor previously. It appears that XP plus is lemon. <laughs> or something vaguely citrusy. Oof. I, I, I threw up a little in my mouth just from the name of that Coke. <laughs> I don't ever want to talk taste League of Legends. You know, it's funny. Uh, we were talking about, um, you know, we were talking about Doomed Boats last week. Uh, wait, I'm sorry. I talked about Doomed Boats last yes, week, Yes, right? we talked about Doomed Boats for a while last week. Okay, good. I, I've talked a lot about Doomed Boats over the last week, right? Um, and so I've had this conversation about a million times. Uh, but, uh, but, like, you know, the thing about Doomed Boats that's so satisfying is the, like, connotation, right? Um, which is why eagles in a nest on a mountain in Southern California can be doomed boats, uh, even though they're not boats. <laughs> um, but the, uh, uh, but it's like the connotation of the word, right? You know, I, I, it's something nobody ever thinks about or talks about, but a lot of the times, like, there are conversations, um, like, that, that will revolve entirely around words having connotations on top of their definitions, but, like, nobody wants to, like, acknowledge that. Like, so, for instance, uh, wait, did I talk about the abortion debate that I watched? No. Okay, I watched a, a four-hour abortion debate. It was very stupid, but there's just like one, there's just like one thing that was stupid and, and bothered me, um, which was there was this moment during the debate where essentially the 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 pro-lifers were saying life starts at conception. The the pro-choice person on the debate was saying life starts at consciousness. Right? When we talk about what we are protecting, when we are protecting a human life, what it means to have personhood, right, right um, is to is to protect that consciousness and there were all of these semantic arguments about what does consciousness mean right that were just all about like connotation essentially right like one of the one of the the pro-lifers was like oh does that mean if i go into a coma you could just kill me because i'm not conscious anymore and it's like no you fucking moron it's not the word there the, the word conscious means two different things right there are two definitions to this word and you're substituting one for the other because you can't you can't see through right like what we're actually talking about when we talk about consciousness which is maybe like i don't even know it's like sapience or whatever is maybe what you would kind of yeah, call I it mean, like so, so that's like that's like debate tactic stuff, right? Like I know I know it's constantly yeah. getting darker in here because I, I I can barely see myself. <laughs> yeah, you really are. Full of, yeah. Anyway, the connotation of this is the League of Legends flavor is pretty 
god awful because I have very low. What I think of what does what are some of the flavors of League of Legends? I'm thinking Salt. of like sweaty back sweat in a gamer chair. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Salt. Yeah. Like, uh, like I'm th- I'm thinking like spittle of an angry guy yelling at his screen as it's like dripping down the monitor. So our friend of the cast, Barry, used to drink uh, a drink called uh, Pokari Sweat. Um, and it's just like a sports drink. But like that is what I like what I imagine that tastes like before I tried it is like what I imagine. So I want to revise. It doesn't taste quite like lemon. It tastes like lemon candy, like a lemon drop. So you put like that in my Coke. Okay. Interesting. For reference, I got this from the Aldi, which usually carries like overstocked stuff. So I don't think this was a very popular flavor. So... We are big fans of yeah. We, we're big fans of Aldi. To to bring it back to some derps talk about food. Okay. <laughs> yeah. The the alternate the multiverse of some derps, right? Yeah. The, yeah. The alter- <laughs> yeah. For real. True. 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 Um. But yes. Oh man, I do. So, in kind of that vein, um, I like Google Play Store had like a um like a promotion where like if you played this like mobile legends game for a little while you get like 100 points it's like a dollar worth of stuff i was like i'll give it a shot and it like wasn't super good but it made me want to play league of legends i haven't but it made me want to play it um so you know dark dark thoughts yeah for for a man shrouded in darkness yeah okay (laughs) i could see myself going back if there was like a group of people that went back to it but i just don't think it's gonna happen and i kind of don't want it to happen either like yeah I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I I definitely agree with you. I think I I think it's true for all these games, right? Like the only reason I went back to Overwatch, for instance, was um, because we did it as like a as like a group, and you follow these like ebbs and flows, these these kinds of shifting tides, right? Um, uh, of sorts of of whatever game we're playing, whether that's Diablo, or that's WoW. I'm very off WoW right now. You know, my friend Stoops. Uh, uh, her subscription ran out, and she was like, I'm just not going to re-up until the new patch, uh, 10.1.5, which drops next week. I think. Oh, really? Um, yeah. And so it's just like, wow, there's not really a reason to, to be going on to WoW. We're all playing Diablo together and also a little bit of Minecraft together. It's like, you know, all that all that kind of stuff. Very cool. Yeah. Um, you know, I've also got, like, other stuff that I do with my time, which is, you know, I've been getting into woodworking stuff, which has been fun. But like, oh my god, I, yeah, what? like the Ron Swanson mustache, <laughs> getting into woodworking. <laughs> this is really your goal, isn't it? Uh, Let's be real. Uh, yeah, not quite, but like you know. <laughs> so, so the thing, the thing that I want to do is I want to build a fight box that I have made the box myself out of like wood okay. and made it nice and like done, done nice joinery on it. But like you know, there's a like I built the planter for outside, and now I need to build a crosscut sled. That way, I can use my table saw and not kill myself when I'm doing crosscuts. Um, and then after I do that, I can start to put together the the box. And I'm ordering parts. Like I ordered, I ordered a bunch of buttons off of AliExpress, right? Because like I think I've shown my my suitcase. Suitcase works great, right? My su- suitcase hit box, mm-hmm. but it is uh, rough around the edges. I drilled it with a hand drill. Uh, it is not particularly stable, so I would like to make myself a better one. Um, but yes, so like you know, I've been reading and watching video, watching lots of YouTube videos about like I can I can see myself slowly turning into my father, which is like watches a bunch of like YouTube or but woodworking videos or like TV shows is what my dad would have done. Doesn't actually do a lot of woodworking, 
like, uh, <laughs> and the chat rises, I'm the Babadook right now, so, you know, I will <laughs> um, right, I'll remember to turn the lights on next time. Uh, or like, well, it has been a very slow process if we were to, like, look at the beginning and the end of the podcast, so it's pretty funny. Yeah, well, it's because it's the sun's setting, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Okay, well, uh, you know, I got nothing else, so yeah. I guess that's a good place to end it. And we will end on time for once in our fucking lives. We won't go over by, like, 45 minutes. And before I uh, backing into my screen, I was like, can I, like, get all the way into darkness for the end of the podcast? <laughs> if you would like to send us anything that uh, you want to tell us about this podcast, anything we talked about on this podcast, you can follow us at twitch.tv slash endorseplaygames.com. You can follow us at twitch.tv slash endorseplaygames. Um, or youtube.com slash at some dose play games. You can uh, rate and review us wherever you find podcasts. Um, uh, all links in the description. Buddy, you have anything you're looking to promote? Uh, I have nothing else I'm looking to promote. Oh, my God. I do have something I want to promote, which is uh, I'm doing speed runs this week Ooh. on Friday. Uh, the official uh, Akupar stream is actually not going to be on Akupar Games. It's going to be on. Uh, there's there's a big Rain World speedrunning event going on, um, and they were like, "Wouldn't it be funny if one of the devs wanted to do a speedrun?" And we were like, "Yeah." <laughs> so I'm doing I'm doing Rain World speedruns on Friday. We're going to see how it goes. How, how uh, active is that I, community? Uh, I, I, what do you mean? I'm sorry. The the, the Rain World speedrun community. How how accurate? Active active. Oh, active. Uh, I don't know. Pretty, you know, pretty active. Um, so the, the, the reason I am asking is because Summoning Salt just released another hour-long video on, like, you know, the last two years of, like, a Mario Kart full circuit thing. Um, <laughs> let's get the worst dev to, at Rain World to speedrun it. Um, uh, so it's like, <laughs> my immediate thought was, is like, you guys should, like, you should pitch... Like you should like sponsor an episode of Summoning Salt on the history of Rain World speedrunning. I don't know if there's enough you know, there to, to, to do a bit on it, but like you know, just because like those I eat those videos up, right? Like I don't play any yeah, of these so games. I will the, sit there and watch an hour and be like, hmm, yes. <laughs> The eighty percent. So the eighty percent for Rain World. Uh, the thing I know about uh, the Rain World speedruns. The eighty percent for Rain World is like fifteen minutes. Um, so the eighty percent right now on the Survivor is fourteen minutes and eleven uh, and eleven seconds. I guess we'll see if I'm any anywhere good enough for this. Um, Are you going to do a test? There's. Line? Are you going to prep at all? Uh, I am going to prep. I'm going to try and beat the game this week. I'm going to beat the game because I've actually technically never beaten the game. I've explored a bunch. I've gone everywhere or whatever, but I've never like actually just sort of like followed the objectives of the game to go from point A to point B. Um, and so we're going to try. Do you, do you, <laughs> we're going to try what, that. Do you know what the, uh, the, the deets are? Is, is like, are there like significant glitches in... Uh... My expectation is that I'm not actually going to use any glitches. The way these speedrunners do it, actually, is they purposefully die. Mm. Um, like the the, the speedrun basically says you go to one end of the map in a single, what's called a cycle in Rain World, right? Like a single day kind of thing. Um, you can actually do that in a... You can do that in a speed run in one in one cycle. You can go all the way to one side of the map, um, and then you tactically die so that you start back at the beginning, and then you go to the other side of the map. And that's how you do the that's how you do the speed run. Very cool, very very cool. So yeah. 
All right. Well, tune into that if you're interested. Um, and with that, I'm going to say uh, until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners. <laughs>